Happy Monday. You are listening to the Tar Devils Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network, where we talk Duke, UNC, ACC basketball. And welcome into episode 12 of the Tar Devils Podcast. A bit of a slower week of basketball with a bunch of cancellations, unfortunately, and um, COVID outbreaks. One COVID outbreak, well, I guess not COVID outbreak, but a national headline for COVID. Negative news for UNC, finally. National news with some negative attention to UNC and not Duke. Not for the best of reasons, but we'll get into that later. John, happy to be sitting you with you again. Of course, my name is Tyler Rosari, the always objective Duke fan in this duo. John, how are you? I'm doing well. Yeah, Tyler, it was a newsworthy week of college basketball. It feels like the actual basketball itself took a back seat to everything else going on around the universe of UNC and Duke in college basketball. UNC and Duke both played this past week, um, but also UNC has had two games get canceled in the past eight or so days. They had a game against Miami, a home game get canceled, and then next Tuesday's game, the game they were going to play midweek this upcoming week against Virginia Tech was canceled. So that's two games off of the schedule that has already been depleted by COVID uh, cancellations. We knew this was going to happen, but it still is a tough thing for the Tar Heels. Uh, they have just five regular season games scheduled left, which is crazy to think about. The college basketball season is flying by. So we're going to jump into all that, talk it all about it tonight on episode 12 of the Tar Devils podcast. Yeah, and we'll also get into Duke a little bit later. Is all hope lost for this team, or is there slim light at the end of the tunnel? We'll get into that and also have a bit of an expanded segment talking about the rest of the ACC pre or uh, really look at the standings right now. Who who are some sleepers that could make some big pushes to end the season? Who are kind of disappointments? We'll get into that and more. John, let's go ahead and start with UNC. Let's uh, UNC just lost to Virginia. A great Saturday. Just in sports, we get UNC losing, Duke winning, Carolina Hurricanes a shootout win. What a great day after a terrible week last week. Uh, side note, you did call the Buccaneers beating the Chiefs. Shout out to you. Good call. Tampa's defense was great. I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan. He played okay. So did the refs. But that's that's another podcast out there in and of itself. So UNC... We called it. You and, you and I both said UVA was going to win this game. They went 60-48. to 48. If you were a UNC fan and thought it would get worse after, and it couldn't get worse after Clemson, you were wrong, okay? You had 48 points against UVA. John, what's your take? Yeah, there are many lessons from history, uh, thinking back uh, decades, centuries. One lesson is never invade Russia in the winter. The other lesson is never expect to beat Virginia at Virginia. I, uh, <laughs> Did some research. I pulled this stat. Uh, Virginia is an ACC leading 72 and 8 in league home games over the past nine seasons. So that means eight losses in the past nine seasons for Virginia at home in the ACC. Shout out to Ty Jones for hitting a clutch, a clutch bucket, a three-pointer years ago on a championship team, 2015, to give UVA one of those losses. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Literally, we can remember on one hand the big wins that both UNC and Duke have had in Virginia. It's not a particularly tough place to play. Obviously, with the pandemic, it's not like the crowd is really 
causing issues. It's a it's a good stadium. Um, it's a little bit like Cameron Indoor. Um, I remember the first time I went up there to the Virginia Stadium, I was you know sort of impressed uh, with the fan base. But this is it's not like a raucous Cameron crazy crazy's crowd. It's just Tony Bennett's system. It's really yep. hard to beat this team. And in order to beat Virginia in Charlottesville, it requires a lot of things that this UNC basketball team does not have, which is toughness, discipline, <laughs> incredible attention to detail. Yep. Uh, you got to make every single layup. You can't allow any easy baskets. The uh, sort of remote control throwing moment for me, or as if you're, if you're playing a video game, you throw the controller away because you give up. <laughs> when UNC gave up a fast break dunk to Virginia, because you know that Virginia does not attack on the fast break, that's when it's <laughs> like, okay, uh, this is not UNC's day. Um, so a tough loss for UNC. I do wonder if they had played against Miami on Monday, that likely would have been a win they could sort of build some more momentum following that Duke uh, game. But yeah, nevertheless, it's a loss for the Tar Heels. Tyler, what were your thoughts on yesterday's UNC Virginia game? Well, real quick, I don't know if it would have been likely a win. You squeaked it out with a anomaly play type game winner in Miami. Miami's been playing well since. Um, I mean, I think it would have been a favor, but it was no gimme. But uh, I mean, we, we, we call what would happen. It's no surprise to, to either of us. The reality is UNC just isn't very good. And it's not like this is the championship UVA team. It's a very mediocre UVA team. But they are really, really benefiting from this COVID, COVID season. The lack of an offseason, the lack of training, the lack of non-conference games has really helped the teams that are experienced and, their vet, and have veterans on the team. Just plain and simple. This UVA team doesn't have a ton of talent, yet they have one loss in ACC, something that during a regular season I don't think – I think is impossible to happen. I, just, I think we both did at the beginning of the season. But Tony Bennett, as you mentioned, this team is made for this season because of all the seniors that are on the team. They play together, and it's not like there's going to be a crowd to ever speed them up. They just play slow, and they're just going to try to be as efficient as possible. So when that happens for UNC, this I think I mentioned this in one of the earlier podcasts. UNC plays um, inside out, and their bigs need to dominate and get boards. Problem is, with the pack line defense, UNC is going to have to be really forced to play outside in. And their guards haven't been able to do that consistently all year. So you look at Caleb Love, who came back to earth four points on two of nine shooting. RJ Davis, six on three of eight. What has happened to RJ Davis? After the first couple of weeks, People said he's way better than Caleb Love. And then now, I mean, how long has it been since we've been like, oh, he balled out? A month, two months? It's been a while. But then on the big, for the bigs, Baycott, Brooks, and Sharp, 8 of 22 from the field. Not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. And you're not getting those rebounds like you were for every other team because UVA knows how to box out and rebound. And Jay Huff, who I've long been a fan of, balled out. I think he had like 18 points. Played big down low. I do want to give a shout-out to Walker Kessler, though. I'm glad that he played well. I'm a fan of his. I like his skill set, and he easily was the best big on the floor for UNC. Saw 11 minutes, probably the most minutes he'll see all season, to be honest. Um, so at least that was good for him. But for the team, 
not so good. And UNC only had eight turnovers, which has been a, an issue all year. And against UVA, had probably the season low. I don't know if that's – fact check me on that, but I, I would bet money that eight turnovers was a season low for UNC. Yeah, but it's, one still, of the, it's one it's, of the season lows, I think. Yeah, and you still didn't even get to 50 points. Like how? How the hell with eight yeah. turnovers you not get to 50 points? Yeah, I think so, I mean, it's the... nothing new. I will say this, though. Looking, looking ahead, you have your game against Virginia Tech postponed. I still don't know what these postponements means. Are they canceled? I don't think they're going to be made up. But lucky for UNC because Virginia Tech and Louisville in the same week, tough games that I can see very easily UNC losing both of them, very easily. And if that happens, if you lose Saturday against Louisville, it will have been, what, two weeks since you won a game? Because you lost last week. And then, So let's see. After Louisville, Boston College, you'll win that. FSU, probably lose. Syracuse, I, you'll probably win, but very losable. Duke, I think Duke splits this season. So if UNC had lost the first game, I'm going to pick them to win the second game. Duke lost the first game, I'm going to pick them to win the second game. Is there a chance UNC slips out of this tournament? I mean, I think that's also probable. That's some, and I think UNC is going to have to – Win some of the games they need to, maybe win one of these big games going forward, and also in the tournament have a pretty good showing. Because right now, I think there's this false belief that UNC is comfortably in, but they're not. If you go two over two weeks without winning a game, and they're shuffling around bracketology all the time, and UNC hasn't won a game in two weeks, I think they can easily slip. Yeah, I think there's some interesting variables. We don't know whether or not UNC will add any more games to their schedule. I mean, we also don't really know what the ACC tournament is going to look like. That'll be something I'm sure we're going to discuss in future podcasts. But the whole concept of an ACC tournament is kind of in flux this year with the pandemic. Who knows what teams are going to show up? UNC is a team that could use a quality win or two in that ACC tournament. Um, One last point on the Virginia game before we move forward. I just want to call out again, uh, this has been a season-long problem for for North Carolina, but 6 of 12 from the free throw line, that is not going to cut it. Um, those missed free throws plus the missed layups that UNC had, those basically count as turnovers. That's giving away points against a very good Virginia team. The margin of error is that slim. So UNC did not meet the standard they needed to uh, on Saturday. Yep. All right. So on to the national news. UNC, right after beating Duke, won the fans rush, Franklin. We talked about that. No good. But in bigger headlines, uh, Baycott and Daron Sharp seen in photos partying after the Duke game, maskless, made national headlines. Of course, they were supposed to play Miami, I think, on Monday last week. That game was postponed hours before tip-off. John, what is your take on UNC partying after the game and Roy Williams' comments? Yeah, well, the first thing is I would – be happy to let you know, Tyler, that we've added a new team coverage to this podcast. We're also going to be going to cover the uh, UNC track team because after all the running that UNC did this week, I hear even <laughs> Armando even Armando Baycott is going to run uh, track for UNC this spring. Um, the reality of the situation is that this video of Armando and Dayron is truly the tip of the iceberg. And there's a ton of other stuff that I'm sure we haven't seen. Um, But I think it was national news 
for this reason. Um, this is a pandemic. It's very serious. Roy Williams is an older coach, and we know that he's had the vaccine, but the reality is it's dangerous for him to be coaching. And Roy Williams has even made a point this year to talk about how careful he is with masks and how he wants to stay safe when he's doing these interviews. He wants to continue wearing his mask. He's made it a point to keep that safety at top of mind throughout the season. So I think it became a story once this video got out. Um, it was national news. It was on ESPN. Uh, Roy Williams addressed it in a press conference, but it definitely wasn't a great look for the Carolina basketball program. Tyler, what are your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, I'm just going to read part of um, Roy Williams' quote in a press conference he had earlier this week just for the listeners that didn't see it. He said, um, we would handle it internally, and that's what we've done. It was not at a fraternity house. It was not on Franklin Street. It was within our group of players and managers, and a few, very few other people got involved. Um, and then he said, uh, it's, it was not a freestanding party at some fraternity house or in the middle of Franklin Street. I've handled, handled it in what I think is very appropriately. So that's more or less um, the full quote. I took out some parts that you know didn't need to be said, but uh, I'll be honest. I think Roy's kind of full of shit, and just like he was when Rashad McCants back during the probe had his F's turned to A's magically so he could be eligible and UNC won a championship, the banner should have come down. You know it. I know it. He's full of shit here, too. He knows that this team has been partying all year long. I know for a fact this team has been partying all year long. I won't go into specifics, but this is not the first time this team has partied with without mask and a little inside info i know that the manager that was at that party that had that picture he's the one going to these parties inviting those players over and then they go over and it just made me think about um deflategate and how the manager was taking the fall for it or people were blaming the manager and in this case it would actually be true the manager is at fault here so you know that's not good but uh, let me say this how many teams have we seen have games canceled because COVID is running rampant in their program? Do we think they're getting COVID from the grocery store? No, they're college kids, okay? You don't have to like it, but let's face reality. They're going to party. These kids are D1 basketball players at schools where they're like kings there for four years. Between football and basketball, the two biggest sports. They're going to party. They're going to go have all their friends talk to them, have swarms of girls around them. It's going to happen. And... COVID's not going to stop. The COVID doesn't stop the regular students from going out. COVID's not stopping UNC students going out. As we already saw when UNC opened up its school for all, what, two weeks before I had to close down? So you don't have to like it, but let's just face reality. It's going to happen. And it's not like UNC is the only team that has COVID. And if you're going to face reality, it's not like UNC is the only team that has people partying maskless. You think FSU is following protocols. There's a reason they were out for like, what, three weeks with COVID. And I don't know, like, when I, when, I don't know, when I think about it, I just thought, um, let's just not all be dubious to the fact that it's going to happen. You don't have to like it, but not, people calling for UNC to forfeit the game against Miami because it was their fault it got postponed. Well, every team that had COVID, you got to postpone the game then, right? And that doesn't make much sense. The only reason I would call for UNC to forfeit that game is because how stupid can you be 
to pose for a photo maskless at a party. So you can get you. I, I think UNC can have that game forfeited for stupidity, but not for you know any other reason. John, what, what's your response? Well, first of all, a, a couple a couple points there. Number one, uh, a Rashad McCants reference. That's a, a a random. We're pulling names out of a hat now. I see it's the uh, the. No, random, I'm just thinking uh, about the many. The, I just picked one of many times. Roy has done some shady stuff in the past, John. Yeah, well, fair. You know, we'll have to save that discussion for the uh, the random theories part of our podcast. Yes, UNC going away with the biggest scandal in basket in NCAA history. Craziness. I've got I've got some houses in Durham that I want to sell you. <laughs> um, okay, but getting this back on track, um, I think that I am reminded of Jalen Rose's famous uh, phrase. I think this is Jalen Rose who says this. He says, don't press send. So that's the lesson for these college kids out there. Don't press send on your Instagram story of you at a party. Don't get on someone else's story. Um, so UNC sort of did fall victim to that, I think, as well. Look at how you, everyone has handled this Virginia Tech game getting canceled on Tuesday. So clearly there's some sort of COVID situation going on at Virginia Tech because they canceled the game on Tuesday. There's no one calling for any investigation, no one calling for any <laughs> forfeiture. People are just saying, I hope they figure it out, and I hope they're able to get back on. Probably because they're not cheesing for national attention <laughs> at a party. <laughs> at least it hasn't come exactly. out. Yeah, so we don't we don't know what happened there at Virginia Tech. So, um, yeah, I think that it's just a learning experience for UNC. I'm honestly surprised this didn't come out during football season because football teams have rosters of 100 people and there's you know some big schools in the sec who i'm sure probably kept this stuff under wraps um but unc wasn't able to to hold the line and and keep that private so instead unc is the school that sort of falls on the hammer for this one um i think it's also a case of uh sort of the first to have this happen rudy gobert is going to live in infamy forever (laughs) for being the first NBA player to sort of publicly have COVID and mess up. Um, So UNC is sort of taking the fall for first school to have kids uh, maskless at a party get in trouble. Um, So yeah, I think that it's definitely a learning experience for UNC. They get penalized a little bit for being the first to have it happen to them. Real quick, John, yes or no? Did Roy know that uh, they've been going out the whole year or no? That's a good question. I would say Ignorance is bliss. I, that is policy. I have to say ignorance. I mean, he's probably got lieutenants who understand that sort of thing, but I don't know. I think that uh, Coach Williams probably in his heart of hearts knew, and that's why he probably stood up for his players this week. Uh, he really uh, didn't entertain any thoughts of suspensions or anything for any of his guys. He didn't even really single single out Armando and Dayron. He sort of kept the whole team together and I know for a fact well I don't know for a fact but I'm guessing that this team ran a lot this week as punishment so they got plenty of punishment um, but they there's no singling out by coach Williams there at all next next conspiracy theory does Roy Williams think COVID is fake you know who knows (laughs) (laughs) he didn't come out and say it so you know I I I'm gonna go ahead and refute that one (laughs) on air there but uh, I guess theoretically, you never know. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's jump into segment two, talking a little bit more about Duke this week. 
Let's talk a little bit about Duke here in our second segment. Duke is eight and eight so far this season. Out. The best eight and eight team in the country, probably. They oh, are, gotta be, gotta be. <laughs> they are six and six in the ACC, following a loss on Tuesday, February 9th to Notre Dame. That was a four-point loss, a very close game, and then they followed it up on Saturday by beating up on NC State uh, in Raleigh. Um, Tyler, what is your takeaways from this past week in Duke basketball? Yeah, so Duke played a terrible 4 p.m. or it was a 4 p.m., 5 p.m., something like that. Some terrible time game on a Tuesday against Notre Dame. They lost 89 to 93. A game at the start that looked promising. Duke was up 15 points within the first seven minutes. And I was like, whoa, where did this come from? We're making every shot possible. And then. We continued to shoot well and forgot we have to play defense to win games and give Notre Dame 93 points. Cormac Ryan, who looks like the classic Duke player, goes off against us, shoots lights out. We can't stop him. So Duke, after being up 15, blows that game. Very typical of a young team. They lose another close game. Every, every ACC loss has been within seven points, and each one of those has come down to one. It's been a one-possession game in the last minute or two, and they lose. Was it? Would you say we were a six and six in conference? Yes, six and, Duke is six and six yeah. as of now. The big loss is within when you have a one-possession game with the final minute. I'm sorry that comes down to coaching. Like that's the takeaway from this is we're not closing the games, and that's because of coaching. I'll break it down a little bit right now. First and foremost, Joey Baker, man, did I love him his freshman year. But this guy has not gotten better. In fact, he may be pulling at Andrew Wiggins and getting worse every year that he's growing up. Andrew Wiggins hasn't been better since high school, and it looks like Joey Baker may be on the same trajectory right now. Joey Baker is playing the, from like the five-minute mark in the second half to the minute-and-a-half mark he's been in the game in the second half. And he's had now three. There may be one I'm missing out, but I, I can remember three. Gets one against Louisville, one against UNC, and now one against Notre Dame. He's had a wide-open three-point look to either tie the game or give Duke the lead. In the closing minutes, wide open, he's missed every single one of them. Who's on the bench for us when that happens? DJ Stewart. Who has hit that shot before? And Coach K says, uh, well, you earn playing time in practice. Well, Joey Baker doesn't do shit when he's on the floor the whole season. And he's in the game with a couple minutes left, and he is 0-4 on clutch buckets. Why is he still playing? He's losing us games. You cannot you, – I can understand you missed one, one of them. Two of them, you start thinking, okay, he probably shouldn't play. Three, that's on the coach. He's 0-3 on wide-open shots that could probably win the game. And that's costing Duke a tournament bid right now. And more on Coach K. I still hate his new lineups. Mark Williams has gotten a load better, yes. And he's, I think, improved the most on the team by far, not even close. And I love when he's in the game. But now Kay has him starting with Matthew Hurt. Jalen Johnson is barely playing now. Jalen Johnson didn't play the second half against NC State. Can you believe that? Zero points and a half. That's still Duke's best player, best, best um, playmaker, best assist man. And... He can't even see the floor. Are you kidding me? 
real quick side note, people were mad after the UNC game that Jamin Brakefield hasn't played and his minutes have, his minutes have dwindled um, progressively throughout the season. Brakefield's play has dwindled. He's not earning the minutes on the floor. You know who has? Henry Coleman. Henry Coleman's playing a not lot now because he's doing his job and he's playing very well. And Coach K needs to find a good balance between Jalen Johnson, Matt Hurt, Henry Coleman, and Williams. You have to, or else it's not going to work. And the other thing is Matthew Hurt, when he is not playing well offensively, man, does he kill this team because his defense is the worst defense I've seen in a long time. He's getting killed. When Notre Dame played Duke, every single play, there was a pick and roll. Who were they screening? Who were they picking on every time? Matthew Hurt. And if a guard switched on him, you know you're shooting a three right over him. Or you're taking him to the bucket. You can get whatever you want. And he's too slow to recover. If he's not going, if he's not shooting like he did against NC State, where he's going five of five from three point line, he's really a negative for you. When Henry Coleman came in and played defense, that's when Duke was actually pretty good. But Matt Hurt, I just have a love hate relationship. There needs to be a balance between him, Jalen Johnson, Coleman, and Williams. And when I look forward, and I'm trying to think, is there hope for this Duke team? There is. There still is. The team has got individuals have gotten better. They haven't put it all together necessarily consistently, but at the end of this season, is there a team that is run away that's clearly better than Duke or the rest of the ACC? I think the tournament's wide open for grabs. Duke has two shots right now. You can essentially run the table because you can get some quality wins. Duke has a very, for the ACC, a tough schedule left. And you can get wins against UVA, UNC, Louisville. Those are big wins. You can also win the ACC tournament. So there's two slim hopes, even though a really crappy defensive performance against Notre Dame. Bounce back with a win against State. I'm not even going to talk about because NC State, God, they suck. <laughs> they are really bad. And they were okay with Devin Daniels. But right now, honestly, they're so bad, it's not even worth talking about that game. Duke played well, but you, it was really about how terrible NC State is. John, what, what do you see? Is there hope for Duke going forward? Yeah, I don't see a lot of hope for Duke going forward. I think they were a team that really could have benefited from a traditional year of ACC tournament because that's a Duke team that could have been dangerous in that tournament setting. Um, Duke, like you said, improving throughout the season. They could have really shined at the ACC tournament, but we don't know exactly what that tournament is going to look like. One more thought about Duke before we close out this segment. Duke is one of the worst teams in the country at guarding the other team's three-pointers. They give up way too many three-pointers as a percentage of the other team's field goals. And then per Ken Palm, Duke's opponents are shooting 38.3% on threes this season. That's just not a winning formula for Coach K. So as you talked about there, another example of the defensive struggles for Duke. In our last segment here, we're gonna jump and talk a little bit more about ACC play as a whole and talk about who our favorite under-the-radar ACC teams are as league play comes to a close. Okay, so elsewhere in the ACC, UVA beat Georgia Tech 57-49. to Clemson also beat Georgia Tech on a banked-in buzzer beater 74-72. to I'm personally upset about that, especially on a banked-in shot. Oh, well. Then FSU squeaks by Wake Forest, something I also do not want to see. Wake Forest refuses to make free throws in the end of the game. They can't get it done. 
let you let FSU squeak by and and get a layup at the at the buzzer to send it to overtime and then blow them out in overtime. Georgia Tech rebounded. They beat Pitt 71 to 65. John and I each want to shout out one team in the ACC very quickly. John, who's your team to shout out so far? Yeah, ACC play is coming to a close. There's a lot of good teams in this conference. My team for this year, or excuse me, for this week to shout out is Notre Dame. This is a team that started out 3-8 and eight overall, 0-5 oh in the ACC, but they're back from the dead. They're 9-10 and 10 overall. Somehow they have the 11th best offense per Ken Palm's uh, adjusted efficiency ref, um, ranking. They shoot the hell out the ball, man. Everywhere. Everyone on that team, their center leads. Like, he's like third of the nation in three-point percentage, over 50%. Yeah, they have just a lot of good shooters, and they've racked up some quality wins in conference. They beat Miami on the road. They beat Pitt on the road. We talked already about Duke. And then just today, they beat Miami by 10 points at home. So I don't know if Notre Dame – is uh, obviously they're not much of a tournament team risk, um, but they've got some games coming up, Clemson, Syracuse, Louisville. Uh, shout out to Mike Bray for putting this team back on the track. There were some calls to fire him midway yep. through the season. He's yep. come roaring back, and this Notre Dame team is looking just as good as some of his other teams have looked. So that's my team to shout out, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I mean, they have to be doing something right. They're 9 and. 10 is it and as i discussed earlier i believe they're if you play them on the road it's a quad one win yeah just dumbfounded by that but (laughs) hey they have been playing very well recently they did beat duke my team to shout out is i'm gonna roll with my guys still georgia tech they're right in the middle of the acc six and six a couple really tough losses at the buzzer or they would be a nice little eight and four up in the upper echelon of the acc but as I mentioned, giving tough teams either tough losses or they're close in the games. Like Georgia Tech has done everything that I thought they would this year. A very slept-on team that has great players, great older players in Alvarado and Moses Wright. Graham DeVoe has not played well at all this year, and that is their other guard that really was was the headliner on that team. And his absence of stellar play has really cost this team, I think, the potential to win the ACC. If he played like up to the level that he had in the past, this Georgia Tech team probably would be sitting up with UVA and Florida State, in my opinion. But nevertheless, still proud of this team for being right in the middle of the pack, right, right in the middle of ACC, some big ACC wins, giving the um, best teams run for their money. So shout out to Georgia Tech. I want to quickly review the standings right now in the ACC. UVA is first with uh, at 11-1. Record, Florida State right behind them at seven and two, and then a little bit of separation. And next you have Virginia Tech and Louisville, both with three losses in the ACC. And then another jump, you get UNC, Clemson, Syracuse, five losses, Georgia Tech, Duke, six losses. So that's kind of a quick a quick snapshot of the ACC as a whole right now. The schedules and the number of wins and losses are kind of up in the air with all the postponements. But still, UVA, shockingly to us is in first, FSU right on their heels. Going down the stretch, FSU has tough games. We'll see if they can pull those out and and uh, beat UVA for that number one spot. Next week, some big, big matchups. FSU plays UVA. 
the winner of that game is going to be first in ACC, I believe, because FSU, if they win, would help hold the tiebreaker. So huge game on Monday, FSU versus UVA. Then Duke at Wake Forest. I've always said playing at Wake Forest is extremely difficult. That gym is weird, okay? It is weird, John. I'm not saying the crowd. I'm saying the rims are – I can see you looking at me with a disgusting face right now. Okay, the ball bounces weird. It's hollow under that floor between the cement because they use that arena for many different things, and it's a very weird stadium. Nolan Smith, is, he's the assistant coach for Duke right now, says that is a very tough place to play, John. I see you want to jump in here. What do you have to say? It's hard to figure out how many minutes you're going to play all of your walk-ons. you got to decide, do I bring them in with six minutes to go when we're up 20, or do I wait a little bit more? Sorry. Okay, please, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have leeway to say that because last time you and I both went to the game at Wake Forest, UNC won by 50 points. (laughs) UVH right now, Wake Forest, like, worst loss in decades. (laughs) Yeah, that was not a good look. But I'm telling you, if you play on that court, you will know what I mean. That is not an easy place to adjust to. Okay, so we have FSU, UVA, Duke, Wake Forest. And then later, UVA and Duke, a huge game. Then we also have um, FSU and Virginia Tech. FSU, UVA, Virginia Tech, back-to-back, tough week. And then we finish with Louisville and UNC as well. The two games you want to pick are FSU and UVA on Monday, and then Louisville and UNC John, we'll start with FSU UVA. This is a battle for first place. Who do you pick? I am picking Tony Bennett over Leonard Hamilton. I'm picking Virginia over FSU. I think this is a game, obviously a clash of styles. And I think Virginia's experience, as we talked about earlier tonight, helps them in this one. I'm picking Virginia in a classic Tony Bennett game. Tyler, how about you? I think the size of FSU is going to give UVA problems. And I'm not talking about their bigs. I'm talking about their guards. Scotty Barnes is like a 6'9 point guard. And that is an issue. You know how big Kihei Clark is? He's like six feet max. And it's all about matchups. I think FSU is built to be UVA. Although FSU just had like a month off and did not look good against Wake Forest. Where I just talked about how they squeaked out an overtime win. I think that they were looking forward to this UVA game. And I think they'll turn it around. I think they're built to beat this UVA team. And so I'm hoping that uh, after saying that, FSU proves me right and takes first place. I also did, in our a number of weeks ago, pick FSU to win the conference. So maybe that has a little bit, uh, you know, biasing me a little bit because I want FSU to win. But I'm going to go with FSU. All right, Louisville, UNC. John, is Louisville going to win their, again, one game of the week? So – in this case, I'm going out on a little, a little bit. I'm picking the Tar Heels in this one. Um, here's why. I think the Tar Heels will be motivated. Um, and also my secret sleeper, I'm predicting UNC is going to add a game somewhere in here this week. I could see them just sort of throwing a game on the calendar Wednesday. Maybe they'll play like NC Central or Elon. Um, yeah, I think pro- that- play, play a team that is a – the most guaranteed win possible instead of a 18th-ranked Virginia Tech game. That fits the bill for UNC. Well, honestly, the game will have no help really for UNC other than getting them back into rhythm, helping them hopefully. For the Another win that you can say, okay, we have 12 wins. <laughs> doesn't matter that six are against high school teams. Well, the thing is, I think UNC really has struggled to schedule home games this year. They've had a number canceled or a number moved. So I expect UNC to – add another game 
um, potentially. I don't know any sources on any of that or anything. It's just a guess. Um, and I think that they'll beat Louisville next weekend. Tyler, how about you? I think Louisville is going to beat UNC and officially put UNC on the chopping block, and there's going to be big panic going forward. Let's, again, I mentioned or UNC's schedule remaining. Luckily, got a trap game against Miami canceled. Luckily, got 18th-ranked Virginia Tech canceled. Now you have Louisville. It'll have been over two weeks before their next game and two weeks um, from their last win. At least that's what I'm hoping. And uh, I would love to see UNC's name on first four out or next four out after this weekend. We'll see. When that happens, if that happens, we'll talk about it here on the Tar Devils podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening this week. Tyler, can you tell people how to find us, where to follow us? Absolutely. Please. Please follow us on Twitter at Tar Devils Pod and tweet reactions to the video as always. We love hearing from the listeners. Um, you can also subscribe and listen every week on Spotify at Tar Devils Podcast and on Apple Podcasts as well. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you.